how we do. Buckaroo Holiday. Hey, Buckaroo Holiday. Come on, come on. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. You see, we get these consultants in here from time to time and yeah, try to spruce the thing up a little bit, you know, so we commission this new intro. We've done it before. It didn't work. We did it this time. I don't think it worked. I don't know what you think, but hell, we spent the money. There it is. So that's uh, this week's intro. I don't think I'm going to stick with it. What do I got? Sucker written across my head? Huh. I'm going to regard this show as a mental health break. I just need to do something distracting. I'll talk about that later. This is going to be a kind of a hurried show. I just want to get it done and enjoy making it and put it up there for you all. My wife has been watching this show called Better Call Saul, and one of the characters on it, played by Michael McKean, was playing this piece on the piano. Gabriel Foire, a piece called Cecilia, a beautiful piece that I actually had earmarked to play on the show before I knew it was on this thing, so it reminded me. And then I'll play something by a band called Wings. No, not Paul McCartney. Another Wings from 1968. And after that, I'll make with the yakety yak. Welcome to Buckaroo Holiday.
What do you think of that, huh? I like it. This band Wings made one album in 1968, and the thing that attracted me to it was one of the members of the band was Oz Bach. That may sound like the name of a great and powerful composer. Uh, he's a bass player who worked with a lot of folk musicians like, um, oh boy, Tom Paxton and um, Fred Neal in the early 60s. Later on, he was an arranger for Linda Ronstadt and others. But I'm a big Spanky and Our Gang fan, and I've been looking into other stuff the members did, and that one, I think, is real good. The track before that, as I mentioned, was Gabriel Foire, and he bridges a kind of a time span between uh, late Romantic through the Impressionistic era of Debussy and Ravel, still composing at the time of his death in the 1920s when he was championed by a young Aaron Copland. You know what I think of him. I should play more Gabriel Foire because it's really, really great music. It does have some of that limpid WC kind of thing to it, but it also has some really tart, dissonant content sometimes, for its time especially. Anyhow, I just wanted to play a couple of things to get this underway. I feel like I'm in it, you know. We, uh, we had a death in the family this week, my wife's mother. We buried her yesterday. It's been really tough. She was in bad shape for a really long time, and it's been a torture. So this is a mercy. I'll dedicate this show to Troyum Handler, and maybe later I'll talk a little bit about her. But one of the things about putting this show up here is I've gotten a couple more commissions. After a long dry spell broken by Ron's great commission of Australia and New Zealand shows, got a couple of other ones, fresh ones coming up. And they're going to be pretty time-intensive. I've got to really work on these ones. They're going to be great. But this is just a regular show to tide things over while I'm busy working on them. Because I don't know how long they're going to take. One is going to be pretty extensive. And it's especially nice to get these commissions because I've also been losing some people on the Patreon. I don't know why. People just drop off and you don't really know the reason usually. So that's a drag. But it was nice to have their support while I had it. And I'll continue to concentrate on those shows over the regular show here on 
Podbean. So, yeah, you're welcome to join the Patreon. I don't care if you give me a dollar a month or whatever you please. It doesn't matter. And I hope this show here, while it provides a uh, distraction for me from depressing things, will provide you with solid entertainment. (laughs) And with that in mind, here's what you're about to hear in reverse order. You're going to hear the Caravels. This is a duo of English girls from Sleaford. I don't know if they were mods. They had a pretty big hit called You Don't Have to Be a Baby to Cry. But I like this one. You Are Here. You know, it's just just one of those sweet songs. Sometimes you just want something sweet. Prior to that will be a band called Pylon, which is one of the only bands that I liked at all from that Athens, Georgia mini boomlet hype bullshit. You know, R.E.M., I don't even want to say anything about that fucking band. And B-52s, I could take a leave, you know, but these guys were good. It is, I think, their first record, 1979, it's called Cool. No, not that one. First up is a memorable record by a band called The Merseys. It's called Sorrow. I first heard the song covered by David Bowie on the TV special that he did, the 1980 Floor Show, back in the 70s. Then he released a version of it on the Pinups album. This was the other song that I liked from it, along with his cover of See Emily Play. The rest of it was total dog shit. But this record made a big impression on a lot of people. George Harrison actually quotes it at the end of the Beatles song um, It's All Too Much from Yellow Submarine. Very striking record. Sorrow. And may it augur for all of us a lifting of that very emotion. Yeah. 
Hey, would you listen to that behind me? That's uh, the brass ring with the disadvantages of you. This is a composition by Mitch Lay, who wrote uh, Men of La Mancha, and it was written for a cigarette commercial in the 1960s. Those were the days. But let's see. Since this is a kind of an ad hoc show and a little bit rushed, I'm not going to have time to do an episode of Plastic Waffle with Willie. I'll make it up next time. Now, lately, I've been listening to some things, uh, I don't know, kind of going back to things. I've been listening to Prefab Sprout again a lot lately. So underrecognized. Great band. Maybe I'll play something later. Uh, but another thing that I've been checking out is Murray Head. Yeah, man, I'm getting into some head. You know how that goes. First time I heard him was, he was singing the role of Judas on the original LP of Jesus Christ Superstar. Best performance of Judas in that show I've ever heard, including Pat Redding's version <laughs> in the production that I appeared in as Jesus many, many years ago. <laughs> One of my few regrettable stage experiences. I was not cut out for that. But my friend Pat Redding did a real good job. The role that I played, Jesus, was originated on the record by um, Ian Gillen from Deep Purple. It's fair to say he did a better version than I did, too. But anyway, Murray had originated the role of Judas. He'd already been around a couple of years, splitting the difference between being an actor and a singer. He didn't have as much success as a singer as he deserved, I think, or a songwriter. He was really talented, and as I look back on his stuff, I'm impressed by how much of it was really first class. As far as his compositions go, he's probably best known for a song that Roger Daltrey covered called Say It Ain't So. Powerful tune. And I'm going to play one here that was from a movie called The Family Way. Most of the score for The Family Way was written by McCartney, Paul McCartney, when he was in The Beatles. And it's very trumpety and, I don't know, pop baroque sounding. But Murray Head wrote and sang this kind of, I don't know, nasty spirited song in a kind of a jazzy zombies vein. And since we get that sort of jazzy vibe going on with this song, I'm going to move into some actual jazz with a piano player I think is kind of underrated, Andrew Hill, playing a track on here. It's from an album called Black Fire from 1963, I believe. He's got Joe Henderson playing sax and Richard Davis on bass, who of course played on Astral Weeks by Van Morrison, which was the seed of this terrific book by the same title, that I meant to talk about on a previous show, and over on the Patreon, Rich reminded me to bring it up again. I will after this set. But from Andrew Hill, you're going to hear a track called... What the fuck's it called? McNeil Island. And after that, a Belgian performer, Ozark Henry, with a track called Radio. Kind of like it. See what you think of that. And finally, it'll be a Lou Harrison piece, the chorale movement from his suite for cello and harp. We've heard Lou Harrison on the show before. It was a later piece that we had heard before, which is much more Balinese influence on it. This is his earlier work, which is more conventional, but still lovely. But here's Murray Head with Someday Soon. Baby, I'm so sick of the girl I got now. Just wait a little longer till I give her a round. I'll have you dancing to a new sort of tune Someday soon Someday soon That stupid little woman, well, she's told so many lies 
It's got to the stage when she's so easy to despise She's on the way out and she's gonna realize Someday soon It's gonna happen, baby Someday soon The breakup seems worth waiting for The reward's worth waiting for I'll give you all you ever wanted Thank <laughs> you. 
So a kind of weird thing happened. I, uh, Like I said before, I was going to talk about that Astral Weeks book, but something has changed in the interim. I'm going to talk about something else. You know how much I love John Lydon. I've talked about that before. I had planned to play a song that he's recently come out with that was actually Ireland's entry into the Eurovision Song Contest. If that ain't weird enough, John Lydon and Public Image <laughs> in Eurovision... But also the song itself is a uh, beautiful, tender, heartbreaking ballad that Lydon wrote for his wife. Nora has been with Johnny since like 79 or so. They've been together all these years and she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease in 2018, I guess. So all through the lockdowns and all that weirdness, uh, he tenderly, devotedly cared for her. And it was a very touching story, so I wanted to play the song because that moved me deeply. I just saw today that she died. I don't know when, just a day or two ago. So uh, it's a morbid show. I hadn't intended it to be, but life goes in ways you don't intend a lot of the time. As I said, I think the song is exceptionally touching. It's not what you'd expect from him. And, you know, it's not a Paul McCartney ballad, you know. He's not going to sound like a, a crooner. It's John Lydon. He's not really a singer. It's a simple song, almost a kind of a chanted incantation, remembering a vacation that they took many years ago, treated now as something timeless and eternal, a place where love lives forever beyond all illness and loss. And after all these years of his expressions of rage and sarcasm and humor, here's something tender and, as always, very real, very sincere. It's called Hawaii. And here's a toast to Nora and John.
That was Trip and Fall by Red Hooker, which I don't know much about. It came out about a dozen years ago. As the name indicates, uh, they're out of Brooklyn. The guitarist was with Anthony and the Johnsons before that. And I just thought after the uh, John Lydon song, play something that's kind of elegiac, but not too much so. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to be a bummer. The only emperor is the emperor of ice cream. You think I'm kidding? Now, in this morbid vein that seems to have imposed itself on proceedings, I wanted to mention that something just came in the mail, coincidentally. It's a book with a couple of CDs along with it called I Listen to the Wind That Obliterates My Traces. I'll tell you all about that, but um, right now I want to get out of the sad kind of mood and play something by a band that's always lifted me, Slade. You know what I think about Slade. I love Slade. And I'm going to play something really early, before their really huge success in England, which I guess started with the album Slade Alive. This precedes that. And I mentioned this on a very early show when I played the version of this song by Max Frost and the Troopers, which was an imaginary band from the movie Wild in the Streets, a pretty unwatchable film, but a great song by the Brill Building Masters, Cynthia Weil and Barry Mann. And I mentioned at the time that Slade did a cover version of it. And it's great crude early Slade. And there's very little that's better than great crude early Slade. They were the band, man. They had real good pop sensibilities and they rocked really hard. And as much as I liked all the punk bands, it wasn't like the uh, earth-shattering event that a lot of people seem to treat it as. There were bands like Slade. Well, there were no bands like Slade. There was Slade and there were other bands that could be considered kindred spirits. But only one Slade, man. Only one Slade. Let's hear them.
Double Play. Machines were mice and men were lions once upon a time, but now that it's the opposite, it's twice upon a time.
Stamping Ground by Moondog, of course. I've talked about Moondog on previous shows. My very pleasant childhood experiences with him. An amazing guy. And, you know, Stampin' Ground is kind of an appropriate uh, term for Slade concerts of the early 70s. The Moondog record was produced by James William Garcio, who we talked about on the Patreon brass rock shows. If you're not on the Patreon, man, you're blowing it. Oh boy, you're blowing it. You should have heard those brass rock shows. Well, you still can if you join the Patreon. Also, here are a recent special on dreams and, uh, well, you know, go ahead, take the plunge. I sprang a double play on you there. I know that. Sorry about that. I couldn't help it. Man, I love Slade. That second song was written by Frank Zappa. Ain't Got No Heart it was from the first Mothers of Invention album, Freak Out. A while back, I played the backing track from that, which is something to hear. Great, snotty song from that early era of the Mothers that I recommend unreservedly. I can't say that about a lot of Zappa's later music, but that stuff from Freak Out through, I guess, Uncle Meat, I think is kind of peerless. The original version actually comes off as much more cynical than the Slade version because Naughty blew a couple of the lyrics. But whatever, you know, it's great. So let's see, as I mentioned before, I had a intention for this show. It kind of went by the wayside because of life events. And uh, I wanted to get it done in time for usually the Thursday premiere that I usually do with these shows, but... Doesn't look like that's going to happen unless I wait another week. And I don't really want to wait another week. I have to delve further into this commission I'm working on, which is going to be time-consuming. And I want to get something for you all up here in the meantime. So with all that in mind, and this death theme that comes into play, I think I will talk about this thing that just arrived in the mail. Called, I Listen to the Wind That Obliterates My Traces. Which is... A quote from a poem by a Swedish poet called Par Lagerqvist, and uh, he did a book called Aftenland, which is Evening Land, that was translated by W.H. Auden. And it's okay, the poems in it. I've read them. They feel sophomoric to me. I don't know. They're, it's very self-pitying, which, you know, has its place, right? Pessimistic, dark, brooding, you know, that kind of thing. But it's appropriate for this thing, because what it is, is a collection of uh, what they call vernacular photographs. It's just snapshots people take. They're not art photographs. There always has to be this freaking distinction made between, like, oh, God, see, a million things are coming to my mind. There's another book I wanted to talk about, and this whole vernacular idea of things comes into play. It's just a, it's a pretentious word for snapshots. It's for things that are not uh, high art or academically approved or whatever the fuck. Amateur stuff, hobbyist stuff, vernacular stuff, ordinary people stuff. We'll talk about this other book and I, I'm expecting Rich to remind me on this when I discuss the Astral Weeks thing. I'll also talk about this other book which is probably the worst book I've ever read or tried to read. Couldn't finish it. It's called Songbooks. I think the author's name is Weissbard or something like that. I'll get back to it at some point. I always forget how much I've talked about these things on previous shows or whatever because I'm so scattered. But anyway, I'll, I'll get to those books and do a whole boring spiel about the whole thing. Let's talk about this one here. 
It's on the Dust to Digital label. And I've talked about them before. They have a release right now that I'm dying to get, but I can't afford it. It's like 150 bucks. That's an indulgence for me for CDs and books. But it was assembled by a guy I know, Jonathan Ward, a great guy who I met out in Los Angeles when we were doing that Bathtubs Over Broadway movie. He's one of these musical uh, omnivores. And he has a site called Excavated Shellac where he posts local music records on from 78s. And he really does the work. He travels around the world, he gets these records, he does the research, finds out about the musicians, presents these beautifully restored versions of them on his website. You should check it out, Excavated Shellac. And I really like the guy a lot. And he put together for Dust to Digital this collection of gleanings from Excavated Shellac, along with the deluxe package that the label is known for. Just incredible stuff. And since I couldn't get that, I wanted to console myself, and I almost bought a download of I Listen to the Wind That Obliterates My Traces, because the book version was out of print. And then I said, eh, you know, I really want the book. It seems like it, it's necessary to this project. So I actually got it on eBay. Oh, well. <laughs> and now it's arrived, and it's beautiful. It's, it's much more impressive than I thought it was going to be. Expected a CD-sized book not too long, but it's many pages, nice size format of all these great old photographs. And the CDs were compiled, as the photos were, by this guy Steve Roden, who's an avant-gardist who does what's called lowercase music. That's what he calls it, I think. A lot of it is, you're hearing some behind me, microscopic sounds magnified and I guess manipulated into structures but they're very uh, subtle, minimalistic. And it's not for everybody, but if you're into delving into that kind of thing, that sort of listening, there's some amazing stuff to hear. He takes an approach with this collection, well, it's based on a collecting, actually, from looking at his introduction to it. I haven't read it through, but he's a guy who collects various things, as I do, as a lot of you probably do including records and photographs, objects. I collect a lot of scrapbooks that people kept, uh, a lot of personal things that, for me, carry a numinous charge. There's something sad and beautiful and still living in these things that you can't find in commercial products or in self-conscious artworks. They were cherished by people and formed for them for a very subjective, secret reason. So he seems to uh, be attracted to a lot of that same thing as I am. The way that this collection communicates some mystery. This all, by the way, has something to do with why I was so attracted to going to Scranton and why it fulfilled my hopes for it. It's very strange, hard to explain. And it's a kind of a pursuit I've always been involved in. When I was small, we would come out to Long Island and we had a woods near us. It was mostly woods with cottages, bungalows that people had for the summer. And so we would come out from Brooklyn, usually with my nephew Petey, and we'd each bring one of our friends. So we had a little gang that would roam around. And it was kind of like a Hardy Boys life sometimes. You know, you'd be in the woods playing guns, climbing trees. Idyllic, really. And a lot of times when we were out there, when the other kids were not there, it's just my parents and me, I would go wandering through the woods, solitary walks, to a place called Indian Rock, which is at the top of a long 
pathway up a hill in the woods. And it was a big, gigantic rock that you could climb up and sit atop, kind of like the highest point in the neighborhood. And near there was a clearing, and I used to go to this clearing, and I'd sit there and try to commune with something sacred somehow, you know. I uh, wanted God to visit me. God never visited me. But I developed a uh, love for that feeling, that mysterious feeling, a quiet feeling, and the, uh, the meditative quality of the natural sounds, the winds, the thoughts inside my own head, the sunlight streaming through the leaves. And I think in a way, God did appear. It just wasn't the mystical ecstasy I expected. It was the gift of a way of perceiving things. And I'm getting that from this book. I think that that's what he's doing here. The collection of music in it, some well-known recordings. There's uh, John Jacob Niles and uh, other artists that are pretty well-known. I'm just, I'm really kind of going over it for the first time here. Roy Smeck, the guitar player. Uh, who else do we have here? Anyway, some anonymous people recording, uh, I guess home recordings, uh, these disc burning machines they used to have some sound effects records from the Gennett label. These are from the 1930s. And all these recordings are from the uh, 20s, 30s, 40s mostly. Some earlier, some later. Ooh, Cliff Edwards is on here, yeah. Anyway, like a lot of collectors, like I was talking about, he has these connections that form for him between these things and the other objects that he collects. This subject came into play a lot on this album I did called uh, a room of voices and I don't mention that to plug the album because you uh, you wouldn't like it nobody did although I'll send you one if you want <laughs> let me know um, this is not strictly self-indulgent by the way there's a point I'm trying to make one of the reasons that album didn't go over with people was because of this personal thing you know my album wasn't like this collection that this guy put together that I'm talking about it was more like one of these scrapbooks that people kept that uh, more like the collected material than the curated inclusion of it into something, if that makes any sense at all. So this project, I Listen to the Wind That Obliterates My Traces, is more like Buckaroo Holiday. He's taking things he loves and have magic for him and assembling it for people. So I'm, I'm looking forward to really spending time with it. So I'm going to do something I don't often do here outside of the plastic waffle segments. I'm just going to play stuff unheard and maybe react to it afterwards. So let's check out together the first four tracks.
de death of me. Now I'm gonna be the death of me. Now John Henry said to his captain one day, Why? I die with my hammer in my hand. I die with my hammer in my hand. Now John Henry swung his hammer around of his head. He brought that hammer down on the ground. Man, Chattanooga, 300 miles away. Heard awful rumbling sound. He heard awful rumbling sound. Now John Henry had a pretty little gal. Her name was Polly Ann. When John Henry was sick and laying on his bed, why Polly drove steel like a man. Miss Polly drove steel like a man. When John Henry died, there wasn't no box big enough to hold his bones. So they buried him in a box car deep in the ground, and they let two mountains be his gravestones. Hallelujah. 
praise now, mother, don't you cry. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise now, mother, don't you cry. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise now, mother, don't you cry. Since you know I'm born to die, then you'll need that true religion. Hallelujah. Doctor standing round looking sad. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Doctor standing round looking sad. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Doctor standing round looking sad. Hardest kiss I ever had. When you need that true religion. Hallelujah. Crossing Jordan, you need not fear. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Cross in Jordan, you need not fear. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Cross in Jordan, you need not fear. Jesus is the engineer. Then you need that true religion. Hallelujah. Jordan River, deep and wide. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jordan River, deep and wide. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jordan River, deep and wide. I have a home on the other side. Then you need that true religion. Hallelujah. Jordan River, deep and cold. Hallelujah. Jordan River, deep and cold. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jordan River, deep and cold. I'm so glad it blessed my soul. Then you need that true religion. Hallelujah. As I kind of touched on before, the added value of a project like this is that connection or distance, whatever the case may be, between the subjective nature of the collection and the objective nature of these objects, right? The record just is what it is, and whatever it carries to you has a lot to do with what you bring to the listening of it. And then you add to that this juxtaposition of things. What you heard there, in order of what you heard, Wind was the first track from the HMV Weather Effects series from 1935. And then from 1940, the great folklorist and songwriter, unique performer, John Jacob Niles, with the classic American folk song, John Henry. We had a piece called Untitled by Anonymous. What do you make of that? That piano piece with the voice on it, the vocalizing. To me, that sounds like one of these mystical things. Might have been like a Rosicrucian or something. It's just a vibe I get. Finally, a 1927 recording by Reverend Edward Claiborne called Then We'll Need That True Religion. Fascinating stuff, I think. And there is true religion in this stuff. I think there is. I read a lot of things these days by pseudo-intellectuals who seem to wax pornographic about science. It's a real contemporary affectation. Science. What they're doing is they're bragging about their atheism as if that's some sort of an achievement of wisdom and insight rather than a possible failure of imagination or just simply their point of view or the atrophy of an aspect of being human. You may or may not want to hear me talk more about this topic. If you do, tell me and I will. I swear to God, I will. You know, I hold back on this stuff more than you think I do. That's the truth. This kind of stuff, the political stuff, 
I don't go on about it that much. It might seem like I do if you tend to disagree with me. But if you do disagree with me a lot, you should check your shit, because you're probably wrong. But anyway, my first impression of this book and CD package that I'm premiering here today, I think it's fantastic so far. I'm looking forward to digging into it. That little taste was cool with me. Hope you like that. As I explore it, if I come across some delights and discoveries, I'll share them with you. In the meantime, I'll share with you in reverse order what you're going to hear in the next set. Got a great kind of tough song called This Is The Thanks I Get from Barbara Lynn. She's a kind of a living legend. Guitarist, songwriter, singer. Working in the R&B, blues, soul vein. Killer record. And that'll be preceded by a record from another legend, but not a living one, Arthur Russell. A legend in the downtown New York art scene. Played cello, wrote songs, sang, made records, did all kinds of things. Ran a uh, venue called The Kitchen. And we got one here from him called Make One Two. And I'll confess I have a real prejudice against the arty New York scene, the avant-gardists and all that. I've, I've seen enough of it and known enough of it to just really skeeve it. But I'm not going to let my distaste for that scene and the vibe of a lot of the people in it to... Uh, turn me off to things that actually sound good because uh, that would be just another kind of snobbery and we ain't snobs are we nah that's why we're gonna listen to george smallwood interesting character lives i think uh the suburbs of washington dc records stuff on a bunch of audio gear that he got from some sort of a government program for the blind in the 80s or late 70s, he did some self-releases of stuff. This is like R&B, soul kind of music. And this track, Get Into Your Love, has a little bit of that awkward vibe you get from song poem records or from amateur recordings of any type. It was meant as a demo. It was never meant to be released. But a label called People's Potential Unlimited included it in a compilation of recordings he's made from the mid-70s through, I guess, 10 years ago or so. I just love the vibe of it. I think it really has a feel that's inviting and warm. Get Into Your Love by George Smallwood. <laughs> no jokes about the name, guys. Come on. I love you all the time I wish that you were mine I love to hear you say You need me every day You live But I've got to get into need to get into your love Won't you let me get into your heart, baby I need to get into your love I dug you from the first time that I met you, girl You up and turned your back on me I swore by the heaven above one day I'll get you, girl Cause this is what you've done to me But I've got to get into your love, baby I need to get into your love Let me, I want to get into your love, baby I want to get into your love I'm with you all the time I love to call you mine I need to hear you say You want me every day You live But I'm gonna get into 
Oh, you're going to 
turn back the clock No you won't Yes, Goodbye Lucille number 1, also called Johnny Johnny, for obvious reasons, by Prefab Sprout. Because I mentioned him before, and because we listened to that very song on the way back from the burial of our beloved Troyan. And before we go today, I'll tell a little bit about her, and maybe play her a dedication. But uh, it's strange, because Easter Sunday is this weekend. It's always been a big deal in my life, and it's been a big deal for our kids as well. We did the whole hiding stuff all around the yard routine. And Passover, we've also celebrated every year, as we're a mixed family. But Easter, uh, for Christians, is the celebration of the resurrection. So if we're talking about death, all this death stuff, it's nice to think about resurrection. I recommend the movie Ordet if you've never seen it. It's a masterpiece, one of the greatest movies of all time. Carl Dreyer deals with the mysteries of faith in a beautiful and startling way. I recommend Ordet. And as we acknowledge deaths here, we, I hope, celebrate the life that's ended. And while I'm at it, I may as well talk about Burt Bacharach. He just died in February, and I don't have to talk about what a titan he was in the world of music. A unique kind of composer, he seemed to really love to uh, get himself into corners that he had to get out of musically. Very strange chord changes and melodic movements, strange instrumental combinations, things that shouldn't work, things that are elephantine and dorky that somehow resolve into some beautiful, graceful gesture. He was as brilliant and unconventional at arranging and production as he was at composition. And along with Jimmy Webb, he was one of the two composers, and I guess you could consider Lennon and McCartney in there as well, who were always cited by uh, singers like Sinatra, people who specialized in the great American songbook. So those kind of singers and those songwriters would always cite him as a contemporary composer they admired. Hugely influential on Brian Wilson as well. And speaking of Jimmy Webb, we have a commission coming up about the music of Jimmy Webb. That's going to be good. But right now, with gratitude, a small tribute to Burt Bacharach. I'm going to play three songs of his that you don't hear very often. We've got the Hammond Brothers with 30 Miles of Railroad Track, a very Sam Cooke-sounding record. Another Tear Falls by the great Eugene McDaniels. Scott Walker also did a great version of this song, but this is, this is the best one. And then... One of the examples of his late 60s style, something from his Broadway musical Promises, Promises, Knowing When to Leave. And as somebody who has often overstayed his welcome, I can vouch for the truth of the song. Walking in the sun and rain, choo-choo, 
Pretend that I'm a train The super chief comes And I step aside Oh, how I wish That I Could thumb a Tears. 
Marlena Dietrich there, introducing Burt Bacharach at a concert she did in London when he was her accompanist on piano and leader of her orchestra. What'd you think of those Bacharach obscurities? Uh, Knowing when to leave is not an obscurity. It's been done by a lot of people. But did you find that version, that late 60s Broadway-style thing, annoying? Well, if you did, get out of here. Leave. Scram. Now, the best thing to do would be to end the show right here, wouldn't it? Knowing when to leave? Eh, like I said, I'm a malingerer. Ooh, behind my malingering, you can hear a track called South American Getaway. It's from the movie Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Bert wrote that one, I guess that was 1967, maybe? So it misses the 1970s by a couple of years. Otherwise, it would make our upcoming survey of cinematic music from the 1970s. That's gonna be pretty in-depth. I got some special things in mind for this one. 
It's going to take a little while. It's in progress. But that and Jimmy Webb and, oh, man, who knows what else? Got to also make a note that I got a couple of other cool things in the mail. I got a copy of Yellow Dog Funnies from 1968. This looks like a really good issue. The Yellow Dog was one of the original underground comics newspapers. And the roster of artists in this one is pretty impressive. All work I've never seen by Robert Crum, S. Clay Wilson, Skip Williamson. You name it, all of them. I've been on an underground comics tear lately. I don't know why, just getting really back into those old ones. I can say from 67 through 72, 73 on the outside. Really enjoying them again. And the other thing I got in the mail was the confirmation that we are good for Knobles on Father's Day weekend. We got our favorite cottage back called Babbling Brook. You remember that one. I shared footage of it on the Patreon last summer. But the last time we went, which is in October for Halloween, we stayed at a terrifying hotel about a half hour from Knobles because there were no available cottages. That was a trip, so this is great. We'll be right in the middle of there, right between the two roller coasters. I can't wait. Yeah, you shouldn't underestimate these things that lift the spirit to give you something to look forward to, you know? You don't want to take this for granted. The spirit has been heavy lately, heavy, heavy laden. Both of my kids were pretty ill there, and um, my wife was in serious, serious pain. But life does move on, and that's good to remember that there are good things in spite of the unavoidable miseries of life. And the avoidable ones, too, the ones that should have been avoidable, like this president that a lot of you voted for. How's that going? Jesus Christ. Damn, I'm not going to get into it. Relax, relax. Ooh, listen to it. You like that da-ba-da music? Da-ba-da-ba-da, da-ba-da-ba-da. Yeah. I grew up hating it. Now I like it. Yeah, these things happen to you. And, you know, if you listen to Buckaroo Holiday diligently enough, you may wind up loving things you hated. You might become part of it. Da-ba-da, da-ba-da, da-da-da. Yeah. Oh, boy. For example, I had a lot of people who were not big Steely Dan fans who enjoyed the Steely Dan Obscurities show that I did. I'm doing a second one for them and to maybe open some more ears. That would be nice. And I got another sex show coming up. Everybody kind of liked that one. So first we got these commissions happening, and then on the Patreon, those things will be coming up. But uh, what about now? What about right now? Right? That's the real question. Well, I got to play some other music. Enough of this yakking. Look, the show is therapy. I told you. It's a talk therapy. And, um, well, it's helping me. I don't know what it's doing for you. A longtime listener and a stalwart Patreon supporter, although he may have flown the coop. I hope not, but I don't know. Anyhow, his name's Jeff, and he suggested to me to listen to a band called The Westerlies after he heard the Brass Rock show. Now, they're not a brass rock band. They're a brass band. They're really good. I'm going to play something by them. So thank you, Jeff, whether you're listening or not. And speaking of old pals, I'm going to play something by Biff Rose, a great tune of his. And then a favorite from Spaceman 3. So first, here's that Westerly's tune. It's called Cooper Avenue. Not sure if Alice lives there anymore. Cooper Avenue. 
Every night I think about going downtown and leaving you all alone. Sometimes what's going through my mind The reason I can't stay home Your fairness and easiness Is all I ever see So I'm going downtown where it's always loud I'm gonna lose myself in the downtown crowd So I What's gnawing at me? Well, it can't be money that I'm looking for Since I've overcome my greed I wonder sometimes if there's a woman in my mind
Oh Lord, can you hear me? I don't know. Preceded by what's gnawing at me. I don't know. I do know this though. The show's about over. That's the sound of my buckaroo. And I'm lifting it tonight to Troy Handler. You hear behind me a lullaby by Joseph Akron from his two Hebrew pieces, Opus 35. We laid Troyum to rest in a Jewish cemetery in New Jersey, right next to Frank. And all the while you hear that sound in the distance, not so faint anymore, going, next. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I knew Troyum over 30 years. She was a remarkable woman. She was a lifelong educator and a poet, promoter of the Yiddish language, wrote really steamy, erotic poetry in Yiddish. And thank God it was in Yiddish. You know, you need that buffer. I do. Holy mackerel. She brought into the world and raised two remarkable women, my sister-in-law and friend Claudia, and the love of my life, Shelley. She lived a long, full life, and the end of it was extended and tough. And I'm just going to offer this with gratitude. I'm not going to get too sappy. She wasn't the type of person who would want sappiness. She would want sincerity. I sincerely loved her, and I thank her for all the time we spent together and all she gave my life. The song I'm going to play for her was the last song that we played. We played a few songs at the gravesite, and this was the final one. It was written by Jerome Kern and Dorothy Fields. It's one of the most amazing songs ever written. I might have discussed it a little bit on the golden age of songwriting shows that we did on the Patreon, but I'm not sure. Anyway, it's a stunner because it situates love in a moment in time and extends that moment through a lifetime. Dorothy Field's lyric is brilliant and Jerome Kern's music is as fine as any he ever wrote, which is saying a lot. It's sung by the great, great Frank Sinatra. So thank you, Troy. And I thank you for listening to Buckaroo Holiday.
touches my foolish heart Lovely and never, never change Keep that breathless charm Won't you please arrange it Cause I love you Just the way you look tonight Touches my foolish heart Lovely Don't you ever change Keep that breathless charm Won't you please arrange it Cause I love you Just the way you look tonight Just the way you look to 